So I'm ready when you are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I am ready. Okay. So uh, hi, Bill. Good to have you on the show. It's great to be here, Hardy. So uh, for everybody who doesn't know you, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I am. Uh, I live in Southern California. Um, I uh, grew up here uh, kind of uh, in the, the world of celebrities, a lot of celebrities. <laughs> you know, um, everywhere I was, you know, uh, they uh, lived. Uh, Michael Jackson lived up the street from where I lived. Uh, we had. Uh, I love Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, Yeah, he's great. His, uh, uh, his, you know, his big, big place there with all the animals and all that stuff was was up the street. Um, you know, a lot of uh, just a lot of celebrities. We had the the Doors played at my high school. You know, <laughs> I mean, Jim Morrison and the Doors. I mean, just like a lot of stuff. Where it was just again being in Southern California. There's a lot of lot of celebrities and stuff. So, um, you know, kind of grew up in that environment. Uh, uh, went to school here. Um, traveled uh, a lot too. I, I went to Europe a lot uh, when I was college age, and, and traveled around Europe uh, quite a bit. Uh, what's that? How, how come? Oh well, just you know, I I was uh, um, it was real, you know I, I I was a musician, and uh, we used to we would uh, take tell, our guitars with us. Tell us the story, us. like like why you became a musician. So uh, there must be a story behind it. Oh yeah, you know, I started uh, very, very young. Um, you know, like uh, back then, you know, rock and roll was crazy. You know, it was the late <laughs> '60s or early '70s, and everybody was into rock and roll. And so we were, uh, you know, we had a, a, our own little rock band, and we were just, you know, we would play anywhere that anywhere anyone would listen to us. You know, <laughs> and so, you know, we everybody wanted to everybody wanted to be rock and rollers. So. So that was kind of the the environment back at that time, and uh, so you know we went on the road. We brought our guitars with us, and we would, you know, we would play our guitars in the subways, you know, <laughs> you know, and yeah, out in uh, you know in Paris, uh, out out of Notre Dame Square, you know. I mean, all you know, just all over the place, you know, in Europe, it was fun, you know, because we just, uh, you know, we were out there playing. You know songs that uh, you know everybody there knew everything from the Beatles to Bob Dylan to whatever you know, and so uh, <laughs> it, it was it was fun for us. We'd get a U real pass and we. And you were you doing know, this with a couple of friends, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah some okay. friends that I was traveling with. Yeah, so you know that was pretty pretty fun. You know, early days of my life, and then uh, then I had to get serious. You know, and <laughs> I thought, well. You know, I don't know if I'm going to ever be a rock star. I better get serious. So basically, you know, I went to school and studied business and uh, uh, started, you know, started getting into other things. I, I got into marketing and, and public relations and, uh, you know, started uh, working with companies and helping them to promote themselves and so forth. And uh, worked with uh, Nissan, Nissan Motor Corp and uh, helped launch the Infinity Division of, of Nissan and And uh, did you know did a lot of, a lot of different things. Work with the airlines and uh, automotive uh, technology. Uh, so um, we were you know it was, it was a you know pretty. I was very young, twenty uh, one. I was the uh, vice president of a financial services firm in Southern California, and uh, and uh, had my own uh, bank branch in Beverly Hills. Um, 
And uh, so, you know, I was very, uh, you know, very aggressive young man and, uh, you know, wanted to wanted to do everything. And that was part of my traveling. I love traveling. So um, I was able to I, I worked with the airlines. They were one of my clients. So I could hop on an airplane on a Friday and go to Europe and come back on Monday, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy times back then. Cool. So uh, looking back, I think um, a lot of people are fascinated if somebody becomes a musician. So could you please speak about the worst times as a musician and your best times before we continue with your story? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, the worst time was, you know, that there was one point and I was saying, okay, we're just going to go for this thing. Okay. So, you know, I, I'd always, I'd always worked. I always had a job. I said, no, we're quitting work. We're going to go and we're just going to be full-time musicians. And so mm. we, we went, you know, uh, we, a bunch of us moved into a house, you know, we had our, our musicians, we set up our studio and we're just writing songs. And we're, you know, we're just, it, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty fun. It was pretty crazy. But, you know, it, it, after a while, you get kind of tired of being a starving musician, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we were out pitching our songs all the time. You know, we're playing clubs, we're playing different places and trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get famous. And it just wasn't happening, you know. And it was a shame because we were seeing all these other people that, you know, around us. They were doing the same gigs we were doing, you know, people like Jackson Brown and, and Joni Mitchell and I mean, all these different, you know, I mean, the old, old, old folks now, but, uh, you know, that were, that were just like going to town and, you know, but we, we just weren't, you know, we just didn't somehow, you know, catch that groove. And so, you know, I got to a certain point that was sort of the worst time is when I, you know, I finally said, look, you know. I'm I'm tired of starving here, you know. <laughs> it's been a blast, but you know I gotta get serious. And, and the best times, you know, were were when we got to play, you know, large places and and you know we had all kinds of people going crazy and 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 that was it was fun. That was really fun and traveling around the country doing concerts and things like that were a blast too. And and what did your friends say when you eventually quit? So. Oh man, you're gonna you're gonna sell out, you know. <laughs> became a Beverly Hills banker, you know. So I mean, they thought it was a total sellout. <laughs> They're going, "What are you doing?" What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and even when I was a banker, I still kept my hair long, you know, and stuff. But uh, you know, the <laughs> bank started. It said, "Yeah, you gotta get, you know, look more executive type," you know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Then you became a banker, and and what happened then? So, yeah, well, that was uh, you know that was the time you know really when I was just uh, just kind of you know I I mean I enjoyed business. Business was mm -hmm. fun, you know. Even when we were doing music, you know, I was kind of you know into you know figuring out you know how we were gonna you know sell these albums and do you know because we're doing we like indie artists basically, you know. Mm -hmm. So you know we were we were print, making our own albums and selling them and so forth. But uh, uh, as a, as a banker, you know, it, it just to me, you know, I was I was looking at being the best banker in my area. So you know, I went out of my way to try to you know get the big contributors to get involved and and you know make loans with these you know these big 
celebrities and all that and 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 so that was kind of a big a big part of my getting started is you know and again i was a really young, i was 21 years old you know so like most of the guys around me were you know in their 40s and 50s and and here i am this young guy you know and and i was you know i was trying different things like in the bank branch back then you know, I, I had like a solar car and I had like all this like, uh, you know, that was it, it, we'd bring into the branch, you know, and uh, trying to track people in and talking about, you know, what's coming ahead. You know, this is way back when before there was, you know, Tesla and all this other stuff. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, I was I was trying to be innovative and trying to, you know, reach out kind of beyond the boring banker thing. you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was kind of fun. Um but, uh, you know, that kind of leveraged me. I, I learned uh, there was a thing called deregulation going on at that time in the States. And, and what's that? Uh, that was basically when like uh, banks used to have to conform to a very, very stringent sort of um, uh, policy in terms of what they could offer and how they could advertise and so forth. When deregulation came, it was like whatever you know you can go out and advertise like nike does you know i mean you can do anything you want to attract business and so that hadn't existed at that time and so you know we got really innovative we called what we called retail banking you know mm. and we started getting out there and uh, you know reaching out to the consumer and advertising in unique ways and stuff and that kind of helped me distinguish myself as this kind, you know, kind of a, a maverick, you know, that it was somebody that was going out and doing something that hadn't been done before. Mm. And then the same using your creative side, basically. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, it was probably my stupid side. You know, <laughs> I didn't know any better. I was just like, I jump, you know. I'm one of these guys, you know, we'd go skydiving with my friends, you know, <laughs> they'd jump out with their hand on their, on their, you know, reserved shoot, you know, ready to pull it, you know, and I'm just like jumping with my arms out going, ah, you know, <laughs> you know I was, I was just pretty crazy. So, so that's kind of, you know, that, that, that kind of brought me into other deregulated industries. Same thing happened with the airline industry. And uh, so I, you know, I, I was kind of distinguishing myself as sort of an innovative marketer. And that kind of moved me into uh, launching my own advertising and public relations agency. Cool. And so that was. How old uh, were you back then? What's that? How old were you back then? Um, now I'm getting, you know, I get probably getting into my mid uh, mid twenties, late twenties. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, and I, uh, so you know, I was involved with a lot of different companies. Um, uh, I, I I got kind of bored though with the with the with the yeah I like the airline industry because I got free travel I could go anywhere in the world for nothing you know and didn't it was <laughs> and I, I was kind of like more into it because I could travel a lot but banking is was kind of stale and uh, so I started looking at other things and I was really into cars and stuff so uh, I got into automotive and mm. there was this car at the time that was being designed in southern california southern california had a lot of the aerospace industry you know hughes and all these major you know aerospace firms and there was a, a group of guys that kind of came out of the aerospace industry to design this car called the vector okay mm -hmm. i don't ever heard of it but it was touted as the fastest car in the world and it was made by independent you know a u.s made car and it was all designed by aerospace engineers. So, so I, you know, I, I saw this thing and I go, this is great. I want to, I want to get involved. And so I ended up being their PR and, um, you know, and helped to get them on the cover of, you know, Motor Trend magazine and all these different 
things to try to get them exposed and and uh, and that was really a blast i loved the you know the automotive thing i loved to drive these fast cars and and uh, and then it attracted uh, nissan motor corporation they saw me and they some of the things i was doing and i got uh, uh asked to come in to help them to la- launch their new luxury division at the time which was cool. the infinity you know the infinity uh, uh luxury cars that from the nissan motor corporation so so then i sp- spent a lot of time in japan and uh was involved with them and in japan the- Yes, wow. yes. Okay. How how is Japan? I've heard good things about uh, Japan. Oh, it's so. a kick. It is such a kick. Well, you know, one of my favorite parts of going to Japan is that there's this, um, in Tokyo, there's this district. It's really a trippy district. I don't even know if it, it's even there anymore, but yeah. this is back when, when I was there. And uh, they had this place called The Cellar, okay? Now, The Cellar was the place, like, I, I think it was called The Cellar. I could be wrong. It was something like that name, but it was a, it was a club in Germany where the Beatles got started. I, I don't know if, do you know what I place know that. No, no. Yeah, it's, it was like the, it was the first place where the Beatles got started. And, cool. and it was like this underground club that they played in when the Beatles got started, where they really, you know, they launched and all their new so- you know the songs and everything they really got identified well anyway this club in tokyo called it the same thing and all these guys from tokyo they have these cover bands mm-hmm. uh, and all they do is beatles music so yeah. you would have these guys and they're all japanese they don't even speak english <laughs> but they would come in to this club and some of them would be dressed like the old beetles you know with their matching suits and then you'd have those guys that would come in that were like the the newer beetles with the beards and the, you know and all this stuff but there's like all this club does <laughs> all night long is have different cover bands come in and sing beetle songs and and the guys sound exactly <laughs> like the Beatles. I really? Mean, <laughs> they, they, they can't speak a word of English, but they could sing <laughs> these songs. And I mean, I mean, even down to having like the Hofner bass, you know, that Paul McCartney had and all these, you know, they had the exact equipment and they, they were just, it was really a trip. And so I, every time I, <laughs> you I'd always have to go to this place and just, uh, and I just sit there. I just, I had such a great time. So that, that was a fun thing about Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Because uh, I was just thinking about a friend of mine, but I had him two times on the show and he's a uh, Yashimo bladesmith and he worked in for like 20 years or something in Japan. So, but he moved back to the U S so, and he, no. he says that uh, Japan is so great and it's beautiful there. And yeah, <laughs> oh, it is. It is a great. I mean, there are so many cool things to do there. It's just fun. And the people are a blast, you know, so so I just uh, I, I loved it. I, I loved hanging out there. And when I'd go there, too, which is really fun with they'd have these new uh, concept cars that, you know, they hadn't hit the market, but they were, you know, they had a prototype. And so we'd go to these racetracks that had like a 45 degree, you know, slant on them. So you could just go around them like at 200 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was like, I felt like a kid, you know, in a toy store or something. So you enjoyed the time in, in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. That was a blast. So what happened then? Well, basically, yeah, I, I um, got into you know, marketing. And, uh, like I said, I had my own advertising public relations agency and, uh, and then, you know, I, I, you know, I, uh, I, 
I got involved with uh, some, you know, new public companies, mm-hmm. and uh, there's technology was really starting to boom in Southern California at that time, and uh, I got involved with an organization called the Software Council of Southern California, and so software companies were coming together, and uh, we were trying to fix these, you know, I mean, there's just like a lot of new innovations that were happening, and. Um, it was just the beginning of the internet, you know, so the internet was starting to happen. So these software companies were moving into the internet sphere. And in that, you know, we were trying to put these guys together with, um, uh, with, you know, with the venture capital. So mm. you have all these venture capital guys in Northern California. Okay. in Silicon Valley, which is now Silicon Valley. Um, and so we'd bring those guys together with these guys in Southern California that are launching these new internet companies. And then guys would hear about what we were doing. It was an event called VentureNet, and it attracted all these different, you know, um, innovative internet companies. And uh, it was there was a guy that uh, out of Texas who was uh, launching this thing. He had a company called Broadcast.com, and uh, anyway, he he ended up uh, you know selling this thing for. I mean billions, and uh, he's you know today he's Mark Cuban. I don't know if you. <laughs> oh man, Mark Cuban is. And he was yeah he was he was one guy. of the guys that came to our event. So crazy, <laughs> <Really>? yeah. <laughs> so, so it was pretty it was pretty crazy, and uh, so you know that those were I mean I really got involved with that, and then I got in I ended up getting hired by one of the companies that was that was launching it was a, mm-hmm. a, a business called uh, it was called bizbuyer.com and it was this new sort of business uh, portal and it was being launched by uh, Meg Whitman was one of the board members uh, Meg Whitman being the one of the founders of eBay and mm-hmm. so that, that really attracted me to it and I thought well this sounds like a really a really cool thing and you know yeah. I mean, let me do it. You know, I'll only do it for a year and I'll see if it, you know, how it flies. And, uh, and anyway, so I got involved in it and it just, uh, uh, it was just like doing crazy and I'm watching my stock options going up, you know, and up and up and, you know, seeing myself, you know, with <laughs> stock options worth millions, you know, and then the internet bubble burst. Okay. Mm, and, uh, shit. oh man, it just like, Totally changed. Yeah. You know, my stock options were, I couldn't even use them Worthless, for wallpaper. Probably. You know. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. They were worth nothing. So, so then I just, I, it was, it was just a, a change in my life. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this stuff. I'm really am. And, and I uh, actually, we, we, we got uh, started doing children's music. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we had a band, a little rock band for kids and we traveled around and we did, you know, little concerts for families and kids and stuff cool. like that. Yeah. And so that was kind of a, that was a blast because my kids were, were, were young and they really, you know, they were part of it. You know, we were mm. like all, we had this big 34 foot RV, you know, and we were just, we were traveling around and just doing these concerts and, and it was, it was kind of like the old days, you know, when I was younger and single and all that stuff, but now I had a family. And uh, so we're traveling around. How, we, how old were you back then when you did those oh, things? This, Okay, now I'm like moving in the, into my 40s. Okay, mm, so okay. you know, so it's like, yeah, so I'd, I'd been doing Best all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah, 
and uh, and I was just kind of I was just kind of tired of business, you know. <laughs> I just like I was kind of burnt out on it, and uh, and I was just enjoying- how, how come what what were the things that you didn't like back then before you um, uh, you did know, those musician was, gigs again? I, I was, you know, I was really, I, I, you know, I mean, I was, I, I was pretty, I'm real uh, compulsive and very, you know, when I get started on something, I just like go crazy with it. And, and I just, I was living a little bit too fast and mm. you know, too wild and, uh, you know, I had a drug problem and I had a lot of other issues that were going on at the time, you know. Unpack that for us if you want to. So, uh, drug yeah. problem. so what happened? Well, I, you know, I was just, I was uh, very, you know, I, I had at that time, you know, I was pretty fat, you know, I, I, like I was telling you, I was into fast cars, I was into a fast lifestyle, and, and uh, you know, I just, I, I was, you know, I was moving towards crashing, and I was also got really greedy, and I, I took on some clients I should have taken on that mm-hmm. were, um, that it seemed like they were, you know, they, I don't know, they, they had a lot of cash, which was, you know, I thought was great. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it was kind of weird because, you know, they had like a mailing list. We'd send our announcements about the company and stuff. And, you know, these guys, you know, were some of them were in prison, you know, and I'm kind of going, OK, this is kind of a uh, yeah, this is you know, a this red flag here. Yeah, yeah. And this company, they got investigated by the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission in the U.S. And. You know, everything in my business started to fall apart. It was like a house of cards, man. And it was like, I mean, seriously, it was just one thing after another. And it's like, uh, I, you know, I, I, I felt like the little, you know, little Dutch boy. You Why know? were they investigating the company? Oh, because they. What happened is, I released the information that they gave me, and that was mm. my job on a, on a new public company. And so I would release this information, but because it was a public company where the stocks are involved. Um, you know, everything has to be very authentic, you know, and, yeah. and right. And so what I didn't know is that the information they were giving me was not true. And so I'm releasing Why? information about this company <laughs> and, and everything, you know, and it's like their stocks are going up and um, it's all just lies, you know. And so this it sounds is, like a move. <laughs> yeah, Great. No, that's what I call like a house of cards, man. It was just like falling down. So, and so I'm trying to take care of this thing. I'm getting subpoenas to go and appear, you know, that, and, and I got all kinds of stuff and I'm just like, my, my life is just falling apart. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, so I kind of got a little bit more into the drug scene and whatever. I was just like, what I, kind I of just, drugs, like hot oh, rocks yeah, or like cocaine, Xanax. Xanax. Mm-hmm. they're really you know, the big thing back then, it was like, uh, you know, it was the eighties. And so it was kind of a, you know, it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was bad news. And so I, uh, how, you know, how were you dealing with it? And, uh, did your families know, uh, did your family know about it or your friends or anybody or, no, I was, you know, I mean, other than the people that I party with, no, my, you know, nobody knew. I kind of had like this secret life, you know, kind of deal, you know, and so it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. And uh, so I was, I, you know, I, I was, I, I just started getting, you know, kind of moving into the dark side of things. And I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't live like this. I'm going to take my life, you know. And you and, were just using those drugs like on the weekend or was it like a daily thing and you couldn't oh, do be, that? It's, it's not, it'd be during the, any time. It could be any, any time. <laughs> 
Great. Yeah, not not a good scene at all. And so you know, in in and the this, did you want to come get out of this when you when you well, were I using tried. those drugs? Yeah. You know, okay. I, I tried to stop. I tried to do the mm. rehab thing, and and it wasn't helping me at all. You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, And I had this, uh, you know, I, I was just, uh, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. And I was thinking, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give up, you know, and I was just basically ready to just kill myself. And, and, uh, and so I was actually in my office, I used to go to my office really early. It was like 3 AM, you know, and I'm, and I'm in there and I'm looking at all this stack of subpoenas and everything's really bad. <laughs> and I, And I just said, man, I'm just like, I, I'm, I, this is it. I don't want to, I don't want to go to jail, you know? And, uh, so I'm just, you know, kind of dying and I, and I just started doing something I hadn't done in a long time. And I just started praying to God and I said, God, I said, you got to do something. You got to take my life. because if you don't, I'm going to do it myself, you know? So I figured, you know, maybe God would, you know, you know, get me in a car accident or something and, and it could be over real easy, you know. Type thing. Oh, fuck. So, so yeah, you so, were you're like at a very, very, very low point in your life back oh, then. Yeah. Like it was horrible for you personally. The whole yeah. situation, you were totally overwhelmed with the investigation stuff. And um, yeah, you felt terrible probably about yourself uh, because oh, you used some. Yeah. Yeah, shit. Yeah, no, I was messed up. Uh, messed <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so how you know, did you was, get out of that? And and, and, what, I, and I was too yeah. proud to tell tell anybody. You know, that was the yeah. thing. You know, I mean, I was too proud because you know, again, I'm driving around in my BMW and I'm you know I'm having you know a great mm-hmm. time and I'd party at night and all this stuff and you know crazy wild lifestyle. And, uh, but inside it was miserable, you know? And mm-hmm. so I had this guy, this, uh, chiropractor that was, a, uh, you know, that I used to go to and, uh, and, uh, so, you know, I was, I went to him and this guy could tell through like the muscles of my back and everything that I was like messed up, you know, really? <laughs> so he's, he's like, you know, adjusting me and everything. And he's going, man, you're nuts, man. What's the matter with you? You know? <laughs> and I wasn't, you know, he instantly <laughs> knew. Okay. I'm like that, not telling him anything. And then finally he just says, come on, dude, what's going on? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, ah, just business, man. It's just, it's <laughs> killing, you know? And so I was like, I was just like in, a, in a, just the worst, you know, way. And I said, and he goes, Hey man, you know, don't, don't fret, man. We can figure this out. You're a real nice guy and stuff. Yeah. And he says, why don't you, why don't you come to this, uh, this uh, meeting I, I mm. mean i meet these guys once a week in, and it's in a place called palace verdes which is like where the What's wealthiest that? people in la live it's a yeah it's it i mean it's probably i would say uh per capita it's probably the the people that live there are worth more than people in beverly hills i mean it's just a Damn real beautiful places on the cliffs uh, you know the ocean it's beautiful looking over the pacific ocean it's a real nice place so, you know, he goes, yeah, why don't you come to this thing? There's like a lot of heavyweight business people there and maybe these guys can help you out. You know, I'm going, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know I don't <laughs> anybody. I'm too proud, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is the biggest problem that people have when they're like in the bad spot. They're feeling ashamed of themselves and their whole situation. Like when they're depressed, suicidal or life isn't going in the right direction. Um, I think a lot of people um, feel ashamed of it. 
Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, and, and I, I was just too, my ego was so big, you know, that yeah. I didn't want anybody to know that I wasn't a success, you know? Mm. <laughs> so, so, you know, from the outside true. you were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The outside, right. Exactly. But inside, man, I'm just dying, you know? <laughs> so anyway, so I, I said, I, I, I said, I'll go to this thing. He told me when it was, and I went in there and sure enough, it was just, you know, really nice country club, you know, and, mm. you know, everybody, you know, Ferraris in the driveway and all this other stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm going, okay, you know, this is, uh, I got it. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, so I walk in, I'm looking for this, this meeting, you know, place. And I, and I look over and there's, you know, I'm trying to figure out where it is. And and I'm asking, Mm. you know, where's this meeting? There's a bunch of business guys. And, and this guy goes, oh, um, the business oh you mean the the christian businessmen and i go oh no really because <laughs> yeah it's a christian businessmen's committee and i'm going oh no <laughs> i said uh no i'm not gonna you know go in there i'm not interested <laughs> yeah not a bunch of jesus freaks here you know <laughs> and so like i'm going oh no you know so <laughs> so anyway so i went in anyway and uh you know, and, and the guys were like super nice. They were so nice. I was like blown away. I mean, I I, I couldn't believe these guys were as wealthy as they were because they were like so humble, just, like, real nice. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was this one gray-haired guy. Now this is before I had gray hair, but this <laughs> <laughs> one gray-haired guy came up to me, and he was what's called a CEO coach. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So this guy's job was coaching. You know, some of the, the biggest CEOs in Southern California, you know, just, you know, and I don't know, he just charged like thousands of dollars an hour type of thing. And uh, a real nice guy named Randall. And and uh, so he, he, he just connected with me. He's talking to me and stuff like that. And I still I didn't want to tell anybody, you know, I'm walking around here a time bomb, you know, it's just <laughs> Dying, you know. and, and, and and what was the, the reason behind the meeting like what was that thing so uh oh they get together once a week and then they always they have like some sort of business topic you know they mm-hmm. talk about okay and so they're all they're all connecting with each other and they do business with each other so there's attorneys there's doctors there's mm. you know tech gurus there's all i mean everybody's there you know all these different guys and so that's all they do. You know, they just get together and they network and, and they also support like a lot of charities. So these guys Mm -hmm. are all philanthropists. So they're all there. And and then they'll have like one of their favorite charities come and, and everybody, you know, gives money to it and stuff. And they're doing a lot Mm -hmm. of good stuff, you know? And so, so anyway, so I, I meet this guy and I, I, you know, I, uh, you know, he, he's, he says, Hey, you know, let's get together for lunch, you know? And I go, um, yeah okay all right you know i'm kind of like skeptical but he could sense something was wrong with me you know mm. and even though i i thought i did a pretty good job of covering <laughs> up and stuff and uh so we uh you know he sets up a uh breakfast meeting he gets together. i'm sorry to interrupt but but you were like mid-30s back then or yeah now i'm like in my, i'm kind of like taking a step back yeah i know i know i know before i did the tech thing yeah mm-hmm. and uh stuff okay so so um, cause he was the guy that kind of, well, I'll, I'll say he kind of helped me move in. So I took a little step back here. This mm-hmm. is, uh, um, just so you can see before I went out on the road with the, the kids music. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is before that. And so, 
so what had happened is, um, she, yeah, he had he had talked to me, and he had said he's you know he's really nice, and, and he says, "Come on, man, tell me something's going on with you, right?" You know, and I I basically kind of open up and. And, you know, I, I, you know, I felt like I was going to just die, you know, I was, and, and, but I, I just, it was good to just kind of tell somebody, you know, and just like let out, you know, here it is, here's the situation, you know, I'm probably going to be in jail in another month or two, you know, I've got my, you know, this is when my business was falling apart, you know, mm. and, uh, and he, you know, he basically Did said, Did you tell them about, uh, about the problem as well or only about the business stuff? Um, no, I, 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 you know, I mean, bit by bit, as I got <laughs> to know him, yeah, it, it shared. at first I just talked business. Mm. And so he, you know, he basically said to me, he goes, okay, I'll make you a deal. Okay. He goes, what he goes, I, you sound like you really, you know, you, you need some advice here and stuff. So he goes, I'll be happy. I'll, I'll consult for free with you. Okay. But, you know, we'll meet once a week, but I'm going to do this little Bible study with you, okay, when we meet, you know. And I'm going, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> you, know, you have no other option, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to save me thousands of dollars if I have to pay this guy, you know. So I'm thinking, okay. And so anyway, so we, you know, we, we, uh, we start meeting. And, you know, and, and sure enough, you know, we're talking mostly business, and mm. but, I'm, but I have these little assignments I have to do. I got to, you know, I got to read the Bible. I got to memorize scripture. I got to do all these different things, you know. And so I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of, you know, I do that in like a quarter of our time. And the other three quarters we're talking about business and stuff. Mm. But like while this is going on, you know, I'm kind of like going through this, this, this thing, you know, and obviously it's weird because the more I'm reading the word, the more I started to, you know, I just started having questions, you know, because mm. I really believe anything, you know, at that time and stuff. And so, so now I'm starting to question whether or not, you know, there is a God, you know, <laughs> even though, you know, I, I kind of prayed that prayer, you know, and I said, you know, God, take my life, you know, <laughs> I mean, this was like, you know, and so I started to go through this whole process and, mm. uh, you know, th this was happening in the, in, in the meantime. So we keep meeting, keep meeting. But now, you know, I'm so, having... So what were, you, what were the things um, that, that that you were talking about back then? So Oh, okay. So, yeah. So anyway, he wanted to get into the dynamics of what was going on with this with this company. Mm. And, you know, and how, um, how did I get involved in it? And did I know what was going on? You know, and I'm, t and I'm mm. telling them every detail, you know. I, you know, I asked them, these guys had to verify that this information was true before I released it, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like looking at the information and I'm saying, okay, you know, this is right, right? This is a hundred percent true what's going on with your company. And then I would basically send out a press release, right? To all the media, the financial media, to wall street, to all this saying these things that are happening. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to get into the dynamics behind it. And, uh, And he had his even his attorney and and others, you know, starting to look at these things and seeing what was the story. And, uh, you know, he, he basically was saying, you know, you should not have to go to jail. This is not your fault, you know, because you took this information uh, believing that it was it was accurate, that it was right, you know. Mm. And so, so that was, you know, that was really the, I mean, that was kind of the crux of, you know, he was just dissecting and trying to understand what was going on. And, and he did this all for free. What's that? And he all did this all for free. Yeah, all Man, for free. this guy must have loved you back then. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, he was no, he was a really awesome person. Yeah, was, sounds like, like a that, very nice guy. Dad to me type thing, you know, and mm. stuff. And and, uh, and he was just, it was great because he was figuring stuff out. He was, you know, he was looking at people that could help me and things mm. that I could do, and and you know, so it was, you know, it. I mean, it really helped me out of a just a total crisis, you know, and. Uh, so, you know, I mean, in, in a lot of things happened, you know, the, I mean, the biggest thing for me was that my life totally changed. I, all of a sudden I, you know, I mean, I was transformed. I, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 you know, I, I basically gave my life to the Lord and I, and I said, I don't care what happens to me because, you know, I, right now I, I'm so happy and I have more joy than I've had in my entire life. I said, I don't care if I'm in jail, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I, this is like the best, this is the best I've ever been. And, and, and miraculously I stopped drugs for the first time. I couldn't, I couldn't do it before. I tried rehab. I tried all these things. All of a sudden. You the, tried rehab? Yeah. Yeah. And, and nothing, nothing happened be- oh, before because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And mm, so okay, got here, it, yeah. here I was all of a sudden now, even the, 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 the smell of, or the taste of drugs made me want to throw up. You know, I was just like, Ugh! you know, I felt like I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't even drink alcohol. I mean, I was like, I was, no, I was weird. And this just, was like in one day, the sudden change that you. It was it within, uh, it would happen over a period of, I, I would say uh, maybe a couple weeks. A couple. But of- it just, it just miraculously transform i mean seriously stuff i could not do you know i mm. I, I couldn't stop before i i was just like i didn't have a problem with anyway i felt like i was totally free and so this you know so i was like my mindset was such that i was okay if i went to jail mm. before i was like oh man i'd rather shoot myself than go to jail now i'm like ah it's okay if I go to jail. I don't care, man. I, I feel great, you know. And so anyway, so it's it was it was a, a big thing. And then things just started to happen and started to click like unbelievable, you know. Just like what um, kind of thing? All, all of a sudden, this guy um, came in. It was introduced to me by this other guy, and he wanted to just basically buy my whole business, and he was going to take care of all the legal fees and all this other stuff. And uh, not only that, but he wanted to keep me on as a VP, you know, uh, like a secondhand guy to him. And all of a sudden, like overnight, all the my business troubles were just gone, too. <laughs> and I'm kind of going, seriously? I'm, and he goes, yeah, you're not going to jail. I go, I got the best attorneys in the world on this stuff. You're not going to you're not going to have to worry about anything. And all of a sudden, it's just like I was just I was, you know, I mean, all these things happen within about three months. After uh, I I ended up also meeting my wife, who I'm married to today. I mean, all this awesome. stuff, no, seriously. And I was a guy that man with never wanted to marry. You know, I was like <laughs> the M word. You know, I didn't want to <laughs> the M word. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all of a sudden i met my wife she's this beautiful cuban lady with just green eyes and blonde hair and she's just like oh my gosh you know and i just like yeah it, all these things just started to happen and it was like it was it was just it was just miraculous for me so 
so I just, you know, I don't know, my, my priorities changed. And that's kind of when I started doing the, the kids music, right? Because I, but, you know. But, but what, what do you think, Bill, what makes this all possible? Because I think some people might be listening to this who are stuck or feeling like they're in the bad spot right now. And they don't know how to get out of it. So, um, yeah, what, what do you think uh, makes this all possible that you've changed your bad habits and all of those different things and that your mind well was like in a totally different place back then so yeah i mean it was it, it's it's all god man it was god it was jesus you know i mean it was just i mean it was supernatural that mm -hmm. was the thing for me you know and i i didn't believe any of this stuff that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden i am just like what in the world just happened what just happened you know mm -hmm. my heart had changed i had you know I mean, the fact that I even wanted to get married to somebody was like <laughs> the you know, word. crazy. <laughs> no, I was going to be single for the rest of my life. I would go out with models and beautiful, I mean, beautiful gals. I mean, I was just like, you know, this is like all of a sudden I just, you know, wanted to marry this girl and have, you know, have babies, you know, stuff. And I'm like, what is this? You know, no, it, it was supernatural. It had to be the power. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing, you know, that could have been. And so, so it just changed my heart a lot. And I started to, you know, that's why I had a heart for kids and I wanted to go out there. Now I had kids and, mm. and I was, we were traveling all around the country, even in the world. I mean, we would do concerts in Russia and South Africa and all these things. I mean, our, our CDs were selling well and stuff like that. And we were on the radio a lot. And, and so how, how did you get all those gigs? So, because I think a lot of musicians are struggling to get gigs like all over the country. So, yeah. How did you yeah, do that? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was because, you know, I kind of used, like, two things. One, you know, I didn't want to go with a record company because, mm. you know, I tried to do that route before, and I knew how to do the indie music thing. Mm. And indie music thing is, is awesome. I mean, that's where some of the best music is, right? I mean, some mm. of these indie bands are like, now it's just like crazy. But back then, it was kind of new. And so, you know, if you, it's just, it's just, you know, and I had this marketing background too. So, so I knew how to, you know, how to kind of uh, get, get our name down. Yeah. We were on like 300 radio stations. So, you know, these were, the, people were listening to songs, they liked them and they were ca calling us and booking us. So, you know, that was helping. And, you know, and a lot of it was just, you know, some basic marketing stuff that was going on too. So, so it was easy. And, uh, mm, you know, and cool. the music was, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was good. You know, it was kind of like kids rock, you know, <laughs> music, you know, it was kind of fun. And, uh, so we, I was having fun, and the band were all friends of mine. You know, they were all good guys, and we just. The old guys, or like from 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 when when you were in your college days, or whether it's like a no, no, most okay. No, these are like like uh, like my uh, my when I got married. So my wife's um, uh, we, we uh, my wife's sister, I I fixed her up with my drummer. Uh, a friend of mine that was a drummer, and so he was—he ended up being my drummer, and he also had a had a recording studio, so we worked together, and and uh, and then these other guys were just guys that we met through mm. you know, bands or churches or whatever it is, and uh, we just traveled around. It was like it was funny. I mean, it should have been like mm. a movie, you know. It's just like you know, we were just all you know, our our our, our big RV was always breaking down and stuff, and we were just <laughs> just crazy, you know. It was just it was fun and. Uh, you know we we enjoyed it a lot but it was fun because my my kids would travel with me you know mm. and uh and my uh i had uh 
I had two stepkids because my wife had two kids when I married her. And then, and then we had three together. And so my, uh, my other three kids were at this and they were like, I, I got them involved in the band. You know, they were up there doing hand motions and doing things and, and uh, involving the kids and, and doing things. And so it was really fun. And uh, it was kind of in that process as we're, as we're, as we're doing this, my, uh, we would like partner with these uh, organizations like world vision or compassion international that were like, feeding kids and taking care of kids around the world. And my, um, so we do like joint events together. And my daughter, Ariana, she was like, she really got, uh, she starts sponsoring this kid from Haiti. Mm. And, uh, and she just got really into Haiti and everything that was going on in Haiti. I mean, she would like, you know, go online and like, just, you know, uh, uh, just like, you know, visit all the orphanages, you know, and stuff. And, and she knew all about what was going on in Haiti and all this stuff. And we had this opportunity to do a concert in, in Haiti and travel around and, and stuff. We had to kind of translate some of our music into, you know, Haitian Creole and stuff. So it was kind of, it was kind of challenging, you know, (laughs) but we really, you know, really wanted to do this. And, so, you know, we went there and I mean, my whole family fell in love with Haiti and the kids in Haiti and all this stuff. And, and my daughter, you know, she wanted to build an orphanage and she was like, you know, she's like, nine, how come 12 yeah. years. she just had such a heart for the kids. There's like a lot of street kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, hundreds of thousands of kids living on the street in Haiti. I mean, the poverty is so, so many intense. Yes. Really, really tough and and that that's what broke our heart is as we're traveling around we'd see these kids on the street you know and they'd jump up on our car and you know they they, they were begging and they it was just it was just really just tore our hearts out and so and, and where are the parents from those kids like uh well so, some of them are some of the kids are just pure orphans because mm-hmm. you know the um you know, people die a lot younger there, you know, um, you know, the male average, uh, age was like in the forties, you know? And so, um, you know, people just don't live as, it's a very toxic country. And, and so it was real, it was, it was, it's tough. And then you have the others that the parents are poor and they can't, mm-hmm. they can't survive. So they send their kids to the streets to beg because they can get money that way to be able to support their family. I mean, that's that. I mean, the kids are basically working for the parents who can't work, you know. I mean, it's it's that intense. And then you so have sad. Yeah. Oh, so sad. really sad. A lot of trafficking and other things came along with that. Other, you know, human trafficking and other other issues. And how, how many people live in Haiti? Like four million or I don't know. So it's like 10 million, 10, 10 million, million. Okay. In Haiti. Yeah. It's crazy because it's not that big a place. It's, you know, mm. it's. Uh, you know, How the other side it, of the right? island is the Dominican Republic, you know, mm-hmm. so and, and uh, you know, only one third of it is Haiti. So there's just a lot of people there. And um, and then they don't have any, uh, you know, it's real. It's really weird because you look at if you fly over uh, what's called um, Hispaniola, which is the island, you know, actually Christopher Columbus discovered and um and you know, two thirds of it is the Dominican Republic. It's all green and plush, and it's a big tourist area. And then the other half is like gray. It's like it's you know dead. There's not a lot of you know they, it's been deforested. You know there were a lot of 
corrupt politicians and others that just, you know, mm. I mean, just ransacked the land. It's just, it was just really bad. And so, you know, you have this this one part that's just real beautiful. And then you have this other part that's just like, it's really scary. And so, and that's the problem. They don't have, they used to be, this is way back when, you know, I mean, it used, it was um, the French um, had, uh, you know, had control over Haiti. And it was uh, huge. I mean, I, I think uh, most of the sugar and uh, a lot of the coffee that uh, supplied Europe came from this one little place called Haiti. At one time, it was, you know. Didn't know that. Yeah, they called it the Pearl of the Antilles, you know. It's this beautiful island. And it's in the Caribbean, you know. So you got this, mm. you know, it's so fun. You see this place, it's so poor and so devastated but yet you know it's beautiful if you go to the beaches and you go up the coast yeah the how are the beaches and how is the water like very beautiful or? oh yeah i mean you you know you, i mean where the city is itself mm. it's kind of bad there's a lot of garbage going in the water but if you go up the coast a ways you know you've got this turquoise blue you know ocean you know and <laughs> beautiful white beaches and it's just like it's gorgeous you know a lot of people don't know this there's waterfalls there's all this beautiful stuff in haiti it's the whole country isn't messed up but there you know the parts that are the big cities like port-au-prince and stuff so mm. um so it, it it is i mean it's a plush place but the problem is is they have no you know, all the infrastructure that was there when the French owned it is all gone. And so it's now, it, you know, they're just barely surviving. You know, the, I think rum is one of their biggest exports and, and mangoes. So those are like mm. the two things. But that's it. You know, there's not a lot of other stuff. So so uh, a, a lot of a lot a, of poverty, a lot of poverty. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of organizations kind of go in there to try to help them to create jobs and so forth. So we just we got a heart for this place, and we, you know, we basically we came back to the states, we sold everything we had, and we said we're moving to Haiti, and we're gonna go there. We're, we're gonna work with these street kids. Yeah. Cool. How cool. Yeah. And that's what we did. We set up this organization called Child Hope International, and and can we, can you just create an organization, or there must be like a a lot of paperwork behind that or well what was yeah. what was good is i had an organization this organization was actually set up when i was doing my kids music okay mm. so i had child hope international as a or a, a set up when i had my kids ministry music ministry so it was uh, i was able to use the same what's called a 501c3 you know a non-profit organization i was able to use the same organization Mm. So, so we went to Haiti, we were already set up. So, mm. yeah, it did take me years to set that up, but that was already set up in advance. Now, I never thought I would use it as a, you know, international organization. Yeah. <laughs> music, you know, but I literally it was now international because we moved to Haiti and we, you know, we started off with a, a boy's home and then we added a girl's home and then we uh, we had it. Uh, how, uh, how did you get the money for all those things? So. Way well, like fundraising or well we did you know but it was like you know it was it was a, it was a leap of faith just like everything else that was happening in my life mm -hmm. i mean people were finding out about us and they were contributing to us and they wanted to sponsor these kids that we were taking care of and as we as we started to we just went there and just to love on these kids we had no idea i had no experience you know you know 
with an orphanage or anything like that, you know? And so we just went there to love on these kids and we, um, you know, people started about hear about us and they started to send money. I mean, that's really what happened. We didn't consciously go out and do fundraising. Mm. It just started coming in. And then so as the way you're lever leveraging like the internet or other well, medium. What happened? There, there are, there are things that happened, you know, the situations that were happening as we mm. were doing this, um, yeah, there were people hearing about us and people would start raising money for us in different places. Awesome. But then the earthquake happened. Remember the big earthquake in Haiti, right? Mm. Uh, devastating. And when the earthquake happened. And you, you were in Haiti when it happened? Yes. Yes. Speak to and, that. You have to speak to that. And it was it was crazy. No, it was it was it was surreal. It was almost like I was in this dream that just didn't even seem real. I mean, just what happened? Buildings just collapse. I mean, they, I mean, they, they made buildings out of cement. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there was block and, and rebarb, you know, I mean, it was like, it wasn't even, they didn't even have wood. There's no wood there and it's too expensive to import it. So they made everything out of blocks, you know, and, And what had happened is all in big buildings, even office buildings were made this way. And when the earthquake happened, these things just collapsed. Just, I mean, it was, it was horrible. And people were, you know, the, they would have like, like a cement ceiling that's, that's, you know, that's like about, you know, it's like, it's about probably 12, 12, 13 inches, you know, I mean, just a, a real thick piece of cement and then when it, the earthquake happened these would just drop on the people that were in the homes and it would just crush them it was just no it was hundreds of thousands of people died in this and and so we're in our orphanage we're just taking care of our kids and when this happened what was miraculous is we had all these what was the time in the day like was it like a noon or it was yeah it was in the afternoon hmm. and Um, we were just we were just doing our thing, taking care of our kids, doing you know all kind. We Everyday had a lot, stuff. You know, we had a, a medical clinic, we had a school, we had all these different things set up. So we we had a lot cool. of activity going on. We also had a vocational training program where we were teaching kids job skills so that they could you know survive when they get out of the orphanage, you know. And so we were, we're doing all these things, and it happened, and it was just it was just freaky because we were. Okay, we have a bunch of different buildings now. Okay, so we've gotten bigger. We've we've got uh, these buildings. All the buildings around us had collapsed. Our buildings, nothing happened to our buildings. We had a, a couple of walls that fell, but that was it. Right. And not a single child. Mm. Now we had at this time we had like 70 employees. We had uh, we had a bunch of kids, and nobody died. Nobody in our nobody. Organization. And, and, and how and, many? Who died during the earthquake in Haiti? 300,000. 300,000. And nobody from your organization. No, not that only that, okay, this, this, is gonna, no, this is the weirdest part about it. Okay, so we have employees that work for us, 70 employees. And, and the average home in Haiti, there's probably... 10, 12 people living in one house. If you have got somebody that's working, <laughs> they've usually got 10 or 12 relatives that are there that they're taking care of, right? Oh, man. So out of all of our employees, none of their family members died either. No, this is... this is Man, this sounds like a miracle. No, yeah. Really supernatural. So, so while this is happening, you know, 
I'm at this place. I'm freaking out. I'm running around making sure all the kids, we had one little girl that had a broken leg. That was it. You know, a little girl, you know, like about six years old that had a broken leg because a wall fell on her leg, but everybody else was, was okay. And so in this process, we're, I'm running around and we had a, we had just one nurse, you know, in our, in our medical clinic. And then we had a girl, a second nurse that just came that week to work in our clinic. And here we are, you know, we've got this little, you know, it's just a clinic where we would take care of kids cuts and scratches. We'd give them, you know, maybe malaria pills or, you know, things. And all of a sudden all the hospitals in Haiti had collapsed. So people are coming to us. Okay. And we, you know, I'm, we're not equipped for this, right? Mm, You don't, you didn't have the staff back then. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it looked like, I I mean, this is, I hate to even paint this picture, but this is what it looked like to me. Cause I'm standing there and I see I'm out on the street in front of our orphanage and it looked like kind of like zombies. Okay. I mean, there are people carrying in other people who are missing body parts who are bleeding, who are, I mean, they're, they're, and they're, they're limping and people are coming into us because we're the only thing that's available. The hospitals are closed down. Fuck. So, so they're coming to our, 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 our little, you know, orphanage here. And we're, <laughs> we're like, okay, we're going to try and do whatever we can do. So we had this feeding program that we had there. We would, we feed like hundreds of kids, you know, um, during the week. So all we, we took these little plastic tables we had for the feeding program. We started opening them up, putting sheets on them, and laying people on them and making them into beds because <laughs> we had all these tables. And we're, we're <laughs> and this is in our orphanage. Okay, so we have this big area where the kids used to play soccer. Mm-hmm. And so we do. I mean, we're we're laying all these these things out. We're laying people in. We're taking them. Our nurses are trying to take care of them. We're like freaking out. But, you know, at the same time, we're kind of going, OK, you know, God, this is in your hands. You're you know, you got to do this thing because we can't. Mm-hmm. There's not enough of us. I mean, we literally have, have hundreds of people coming to us, you know. And, and so we're the kids in shock or the kids are. Yeah, they're they're freaked out. And what they had done is they were all they afraid were terrified, probably. They, yeah. yeah, they were terrified. They got they didn't want to go inside any of the buildings. Mm. So we went, got all their mattresses and we brought it out to our soccer, or, you know, our soccer area. We were just laying their mattresses. They wanted to be open in the open space, you know, and they're all in there and they're just, you know, they're all laid out and they're and we're just, you know, we're trying to take care of our kids and feed them. But then we got all these people that are lining up. And what come. was going through your head and, and what, what was your, well, your wife thinking back then? So. Well, this was the, the trippy part about it because my wife, she went to pick up our kids at, at school. They were they had a separate school they were at. Mm. So she was gone when the earthquake happened. So I'm freaking out because my wife's not there. And and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my God, where is she? You know? Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there that. in the meantime, got all of our kids. I'm taking care of all the kids, all our employees, all these people from the street coming in needing care. And so... <laughs> We're just like, okay, so I'm freaking out. And then in this process, it's hard for me to focus because I'm not sure where she is. And then this guy comes up behind me, still not even sure who it was. And he goes over and he goes, I I saw your wife. She's okay. She's just trying to get here. The roads are bad. And you are feeling like this huge relief probably. Oh, man. I felt like this huge weight just came off of me. Mm. And and at that point, I'm just kind of going, all right, I'm – I, I, I got to focus here. I got to, you know, 
And so what we're doing is we're pulling out all our supplies, all our bandages, everything we have. Our kids are putting on, you know, the kids in our orphanage are putting on rubber gloves and they're cleaning people's wounds. And they're, you know, we're all just doing <laughs> the little kids, the little kids. Yeah. Oh, it was no, it was like, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was surreal. This was not even real. And, and, I'm, and I'm, we're, di- what we're, doing and we're talking like uh, this all happened like in one day, right? Like this, oh, this whole scenario right now. Hours. I mean, in a matter of hours. Okay, got it. Yeah. And so, so you know, as these people are coming in, we're just, we're just, you know, doing stuff. We're using our supplies. We're, we're just trying to fix people, bandage them as best we can. You know, the nurses, you know, knew definitely a lot more than I knew what to do, but still, they were kind of limited, right? Because we Mm -hmm. had people here that were missing limbs from their body. You know, I mean, like missing hands and and I mean, just horrible. Could, Could could you see this stuff? Because I would be like terrified seeing all of those people crying and oh no I'm I'm like I can't even see blood I get yeah out. me too that's a problem <laughs> yeah so no I mean I see a little kid cuts his finger and I'm, I'm <laughs> nauseous you know <laughs> yeah, yeah I get to that so so uh, so I was kind of I was you know I was kind of just like a little bit freaked out here and mm. so. So I'm, I'm, you know, in this process, we're trying to put this together and all of a sudden I, I hear, you know, coming from our, our, um, uh, from the soccer field, I just hear this, the kids and the kids are just, they're singing hymns and they're praying and they're singing hymns and they're praying and they're just, that's all they're doing. They're just praying and singing these, these, these church hymns and stuff. And, and it's like, and I'm hearing it, it's like kind of keeping me going, you know, cause I'm yeah. just, all right, all right. And then just these miraculous things start happening. You know, I mean, a guy comes over, he knocks on our gate and, you know, we have all these people spread out and I'm, and he says, Hey, my wife and my, my house, our house collapsed down the street. I said, can we help you? And I said, yeah, we can use anybody to help. And I go, Mm -hmm. what do you, you know, what do you, what do you do? Or do you have any special skills or anything? He goes, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. (laughs) This guy, it was an. Or- I mean, if I had a list of the people that I needed, and that, this <laughs> was the top of the list, okay. I can imagine that. And his wife is a nurse. He's a <laughs> surgeon. So Crazy. this guy is taking our. And most probably good- nobody is a surgeon there on the island. Like oh, very, very few people, right? See. It was crazy. And so this guy, he came in and he's like, um, he's, he's taken the worst cases, the ones that were losing a lot of blood. And he, he did amputations in our kitchen, in our, in our, I mean, he, he, you know, he had to work with whatever he had and, uh, but he's saving lives (laughs) and, and over the course of this thing, and I, you know, I could go on and on about just the series of miracles that happened. I mean, we had, please, please, this is so fascinating. So, oh no, it was crazy. I mean, we had these vans all of a sudden showing up, okay, and uh, and and I'm going, who, who are you guys? And they go, oh, we're we're all uh, interns at the local hospital. The hospital's closed. Do you guys need any help? <laughs> and their vans are Crazy. filled with supplies and and bandages and and anesthesia and all this other stuff. And so these people are just coming out of nowhere. And then we have the media starts showing up. Because, you know, this all <laughs> happened, right? So CNN is there. And then um, what's the one in Europe? Blue uh, Sky? No, Sky. Um, yeah, Skynet? Or... Skynet was there. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, and, and this, this gal from Skynet, she's amazing. Uh, she's Israeli. And she was like, 
she was just like totally on what we were doing. And I mean, there was, there was this, that we had this one baby and it was the one, nobody had died in this clinic yet. Not a single person. Okay. And we're, we got this one baby who's like really critical and it had been crushed and she got on, you know, basically it's live. And she got on, she said, we've got this baby, we need help. Da, da, da. And, and by that time, I guess Israel had come, and this is about the second or third day, and they had set up this big hospital tent, uh, you know, in uh, at the airport. And uh, I mean, as soon as she got on, within just a short period of time, a helicopter arrived, and the baby was still airlifted up to this hospital, this hospital tent that Israel, and saved the little kid's life. I mean, stuff like that was just like happening every single day. And could you sleep during those time periods? I... I probably think you you could, right? No, I I was I mean I we I didn't sleep for like two days, three days. I mean I was just like I was we couldn't stop because it was mm. just nonstop. We saw over the course of about six days, we saw about five hundred people that came through our our little makeshift clinic, our triage unit, and none of those people that we know of, you know, died. I mean, people were released, and and, uh, and and it took it. No, it was it was just miracle after miracle after miracle, and 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 by about the sixth day, you know, now all the the relief workers had arrived, you know, and there were big ships out there in in, our, in the harbor, and they're flying people out to these ships. So, this, so who who was helping back then? The Americans? Or? Oh, the people, international effort, people mm. from all over. Place the, the the Germans were there the the uh, the Israelis as I mentioned there were I mean the 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 Brits were there I mean there were, there were just it was the most international most amazing effort I ever saw it just the UN of course was there big time and um, but it was just all of a sudden we had the medical care and all the supplies and the food and everything that we needed but you know during that six day period it was really sketchy it was like we were just day to day and but you know, we made it through and, you know, the relief efforts, you know, took over from there. And then we started taking our, our patients and shipping them off to these little makeshift hospitals. And so it was, a, it was a pretty amazing time. And, and during, and, and the- how, how, what was, what, uh, what was, uh, what was you thinking like a couple of days after all of this happened, like where you, I, I think you couldn't believe all what ha- was happening back then. So, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, it got to the point where there was this one reporter from CNN who just hung out the whole time and him Soledad O'Brien. Yeah. And she was like there the whole time, you know, watching all this stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she didn't know the life that we had, you know, how we had just always lived on faith since we'd been there in Haiti. You know? <laughs> we didn't even know how all this stuff came together. So things would keep happening like this, like all of a sudden this bus loads, I mean, this all these vans with these people. She goes, how did that happen? How did that happen? Yeah. She said, it's God, you know. And she's going, yeah, right. Okay, well, let me ask somebody else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by about the third or fourth day, you know, we're saying this stuff, and she just says, never mind, I'm not even going to ask you, okay. Because, you know, we had times we were going to shut down this clinic, this little makeshift triage. We, we'd run out of supplies. We said, we're done. We're, mm. you know, we got to close it down. And boom, all of a sudden, you know, supplies would come in and we don't even know how they came in or how these people even knew we needed supplies. I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere, you know, Mm. and this stuff was just uh, happening. And then she by the end of this thing, she was like, "Okay, I'm I'm not going to, you know, she she ended up going back to CNN 
and um, asking them if they could do a documentary on our organization. And they ended up doing this one hour documentary called Rescued. And it talked about the stuff that we Rescued. did. Yeah, it, it's a, yeah, you can look that up, uh, just do a search, you know, on it. And uh, it was, you know, about how these street kids, you know, came in and, and, you know, just the whole story of how it happened from my daughter's, you know, first dream to have an orphanage, you know, to, to this, all the stuff happening in the earthquake. And then later on, Oprah Winfrey came and she did a, a special on us and um, on uh, your family. Yes. Yeah. How yeah. amazing is that? Yeah. You can do a search, yeah. Do a search on that too, if you want, you know, cool. um, and, uh, yeah. So, so that was, I mean, that's kind of the, all the stuff that happened, you know, before, you know, I mean, uh, before I came back to the States, you know. And so, and I think everybody was terrified that this could happen again during those crazy hours. Oh, um, man, yes. Yes, I mean, there were tsunami warnings, you know, they said that were in again, and, you know, rumors were like crazy. And, and the aftershocks were just scared the kids to, oh, it was so hard. Aftershocks, you know? like, speak to that, please. Yeah, I mean, uh, right after it happened, you know, I mean, everybody is already freaked. And so, like, with every earthquake, now I grew up in Southern California, I'm used to earthquakes. I have had them all my life here. And so, you know, I, they, I mean, they, they were pretty bad, but not as severe as this. And and uh, because the buildings here are, are built a lot better than they are in Haiti. And <laughs> it was really because of the poor construction that there was such devastation. But, mm. uh, but yeah, the, when the aftershocks would hit, the kids um, and, the, you know, the staff and everybody was just so afraid, you know. But, uh, you know, it's just it, the, the resiliency of the Haitian people is so amazing. These people that have been through so much. I mean, there had been hurricanes. While we were there, there were, there were hurricanes. There, You know, there are a lot of things that happened prior to this earthquake. And I really got to see these people that even though they have, you know, I mean, just extreme poverty, they are just a beautiful people who just, you know, they take care of one another. They care for each other. I mean, in our little makeshift clinic, it was so crazy because we had the, you know, we had a mixture of people because there's nowhere else to go. So we would have a table with a sheet on it and you'd have like the poor Marchant, this lady who lives down and sells, you know, you know, lemons or whatever on the street right next to her. You'd have like Haiti's, you know, highest paid lawyer, you know, um, you know, who's uh, part of the bourgeois, you know. And, you know, I mean, it was just all but everybody was together and they were all mm. and the kids would be singing these church hymns and everybody in the hospital beds, you know, would just all of a sudden join in and they'd hold up. You know, I mean, this is what broke my heart. It was one time I heard this one song and it was coming across. And I, it was in French. I didn't really fully understand what the song was. But all of a sudden I see everybody in the hospital, even these people holding up their, you know, their missing limbs. They're holding them up, praising God, you know, in the midst of this devastation. And they're singing, how great thou art, how great thou art, you know, and 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 it was it, it just I just broke down at that point. I just lost it. I, I did real good for a few days, and then I hadn't slept, and I just lost it. I just started crying. I, that's all I could do for like an hour. It was, uh, but that was it. We made it through, and uh, it was pretty a pretty amazing thing. I mean, it was like nothing in my whole life have I ever experienced. Like and and 
and and and your daughter and your wife are probably also very afraid after the, uh, during the aftershocks. Yes, yeah, they were, and they luckily they made it over to us pretty quickly. And once they were with us, you know, I was like relieved, and and uh, you know, much uh, it was much better then. But uh, yeah, they, they they had they. They did pretty good. They were actually probably a little bit better than I was. <laughs> so. Really? Yeah. So uh, what happens then? So um, you've helped those people and um, a lot of people were rescued. And yeah, what what happened after all those things? Yeah. I mean, we, we stayed there, you know, for years after that. And, uh, and uh, you know, we were, we were getting older and, uh, you know, it's Haiti's a, an amazing place amazing people i mean i love everybody there just like like you know but I, well, i'm getting older it's getting a little tougher to handle you know because it is a it was uh, a lot of work probably wasn't yeah it? it's a lot of work it's a toxic place it's it's a it's it's really you know it's really rough on people and my kids are getting older and they're starting to move back to the states to go to school and we're just kind and, of, and why, why is haiti rough on people like it, the poverty it's, and seeing all those people suffer and yeah i mean we we grew up i mean we we came there we we just saw death from day one you know we would you know we would see people literally laying on the streets that died and people are just walking past them um because death is so commonplace and uh we had mm. a lot of people that you know we love that uh you know, that, that died in the neighborhoods, people that we were trying to help. And, uh, you know, they get cancer there. And, and you know, they, I mean, it, it, they just let it eat, just go. You know, they, they mm. people get simple things like high blood pressure is kills people. And, uh, you know, the, it's just, it's just things that we don't, we take for granted in, you know, our first world nations, right? You know, we, we don't think about you know, people dying of high blood pressure, you know, and uh, or diabetes or, you know, because they can't mm. get the basic, you know, uh, medicine. And because treatment. they have no money for the treatments and all exactly. those things. Mm. Yeah. So we, you know, we saw a lot of this and, and it, you know, it took its toll on all of us, you know, my whole family. You know, we well, when we finally did move back to the States, we got uh, another family to come in. To so what care. was it like a tough decision to, to quit all this? I mean, you had like 70 employees, so it must have been like, like a very, very big project. So uh, w what were like the conversations with your wife like back then and with your friends? Oh, and I, I didn't want to go. I, I really mm -hmm. didn't want to go. I mean, I was, mm -hmm. I was ready to, to live and die there, you know, I, I was, you know, I mean, really, I was, I was ready to live the rest of my life there, you know, as long as I, I had breath to do things, you know, um, but then there were just a series of, of things that happened and we really felt, and we prayed a lot about it and we really just, what felt kind that, of things happened? Oh, you know, there, uh, well, both of my parents, while I was there, they died, uh, they passed mm -hmm. away. So I kind of missed that final season in their lives it, you know, when you're in the mission field, it's it's tough. You're away from family. You're away from people you love, and and that was that was that was pretty tough on me. And uh, and then um, there were just you know a series. You know, I've got kids now. I have grandkids. You know, in mm. the states, and I, 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 I that I hadn't even met. You know, I mean, just a lot of stuff like that. And so I was, uh, you know, it was it was it was pretty tough, but there were also things that were just, uh, and my wife got cancer while we were there. Um, mm. and that was before the earthquake. Um, 
but you know completely healed from it um but it, that that was tough and i think a lot of it may have been because of the environment and i mm. say it's a toxic environment i mean it's literally toxic there's not a lot of health standards you know you can eat food or drink water it's you can try to be as safe as you want you know but it it is a, it's it's pretty it's pretty difficult there aren't and are there like restaurants or is there a nightlife or are they like sh yeah. shopping malls and there i mean there's there are those you know the 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 people that are uh you know this the, there's there's 10 million people so they got to be fed they got to be clothed yeah, okay. they got to be oh. so there are businesses there and there are some very successful business people most of them are europeans and uh they uh have lived there for generations and some of them uh, are still coming over you know and mm. they um and so they have yeah they have nice areas that you can go to and you know i mean you know just uh you know there are those nice parts of town you know mm. uh, where most of the people don't live but the you know the elite do so and, so westerners uh could go out and eat and yeah oh yeah there's clubs and there's everything mm. and there's everything that you would you know that okay. you want you know there's culture there's there's mm. fashion there's all kinds of stuff you know mm. and uh Yeah, the the French are very present there because that that is the official language of Haiti. Um, is so they French. all speak French there. Okay. Yes, in all the schools, like our our schools, you know, taught the kids in French. So, uh, so uh, yeah, there's uh, so there's there's a lot of you know you you have access to things. It's, it's mm. a little tougher, you know, to get access to things, but yeah, they they bring them in because there are people there that that. To live a nicer lifestyle and they want those things and so, but all those uh, things are for 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 westerners and um the, the people in haiti they they don't have the money to go to eat out and um buy clothes at the shopping malls and so on and so forth probably yeah exactly exactly mm. yeah so so the you know the um they're you know the There is, I mean, a lot, a lot of people, you know, they don't like that part of it, but that's kind of what sustains the, you know, they're the ones that have the factories that have the jobs for the people that can work. And mm. uh, so they're, you know, they, and they have the businesses so that people can get jobs and so forth. So, um, and they help support the universities that are there so that, the, you know, even the poor kids can, you know, if they can get an education, if they can get, you know, and, and we, All of our kids we educated in our orphanage, you know, the, a lot of the street kids. So they were able to go to the universities. So, mm. so um, you had like a, a couple of bad in incidents there. So and then you just to, to move to the U.S. So, um, yeah, what happened then? Yeah, basically, I was just I was we were getting older. We 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 wanted to, you know, we wanted to kind of get out and and just kind of be in a place where we're not like every day we wake up. <laughs> You know, we open our door and there's people at our doorstep and they're holding babies They're Maybe they've got a, you know, uh, an injury. What a life. I mean, yeah. there's, a, you know, it's every day, you know. So so we, you know, and we don't mind that. We, you know, we, we, we lived with that. But but when we we needed to get out of there and go back to the States and we so we just planned a sabbatical, you know. And did and, you sell the organization or like how, what did you do with the organization? Well, we have, you know, one of our goals when we got there is we said we want to raise up the Haitians to to run this organization, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, they, they I mean, they, they should be helping their own country, you know, so yeah. we're, we're training people to become managers and different positions so that they can oh, do cool. these things. So we um, so, you know, we were 
we had, didn't have a problem leaving because we had good people we could, you know, that could run things while we were gone. And so we, um, and while we were in the States, we came back to the States and my wife's uh, parents became ill and her father is diabetic and he went into a diabetic coma. So we just, you know, we stepped in to help him and, and his wife. And, you know, I kind of felt, you know, like I didn't want my wife to kind of go through what I went through, you know, kind mm. of not being there for my parents later in life. Mm. And so we decided, nah, you know, it's, it's, we're going to stay and we'll see how long we do. And, and basically we ended up finding another couple to come in and do what we did there so they could be there, like the resource to help coordinate the Haitians so that they could, you know, keep things going. And basically that's what, you know, it's still going today, you know, but uh, yeah. So, you know, we came back to the States and, and uh, I had to find something to do because, you know, and, and, and sorry to interrupt again, but, but did you, uh, do we still have contact with, with those people working at the organization? Oh, yes. oh cool. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm still on the board of directors for a nonprofit mm. and I have, great people that are also doing, you know, the, that work as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm in communication with them on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, you, you needed something to do now. So, uh, what happened? Yeah. So basically I, I, um, you know, ended up going, um, you know, looking at different things about what I could do and, mm. and I, you know, I'm approaching 60 at this time and I'm kind of going, uh, you know, when I'm not going to go out there, walk around with my CV, you know, trying <laughs> to, you know, trying to find a job. And I had started businesses. I knew how to do the entrepreneurial thing. And so I said, well, I'll probably do something like that. And, and, uh, while I was, you know, looking at what my options were, mm. I uh, looked at um, uh, real estate as a possible, you know, thing that I could invest in because I, you know, I already had funds in the stock market. And so I was looking at options of sort of d diversify a little bit. And I got involved with, uh, with real estate. I started buying rental properties and uh, to generate income. And while I was doing that, um, and how how did you get the money through fundraising or uh, it, you know actually it was a um, savings I, I got some inheritance funds and, mm. and the the inheritance I I didn't want to put it in the stock market because I was already in the stock market and I didn't want to you know I just wanted to diversify and that's when I decided to looking for something else what was I going to invest in and that's where I decided real estate so mm. um, so, so I bought bought like three turnkey properties that uh, allowed me to generate income from those properties. And what kind of properties, like multifamily homes? Um, I bought uh, one duplex and two single family uh, mm. homes to start. And then I realized that the, the, the duplex, you know, did very well and it actually did a lot better. And I said, well, why don't I do multifamily? And that's where I started moving in and buying apartment buildings. Mm. And, uh, so, so the money generated, um, With the other buildings, or um, yes, yeah. Well, what one of my goals was I wanted to generate funds to support what we're doing in Haiti. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I, it do, doesn't take very many rental properties to support us, you know. But I wanted to, you know, we, we one of our dreams in Haiti is to build a village there, 
and a village where we have everything on one piece of land. Right now, mm. we're, we're scattered around in different buildings, but we wanted to have one place where the kids could, you know, they could grow food, they could Beautiful. have their houses, they could have school, they could have the medical clinic and the vocational training, all on the same land. So that's mm. part of our, that's still a dream of mine, you know. And uh, so, you know, that's, so I set a goal of uh, 1,000 units or 1,000 doors, um, uh, you know, in six years. I don't know if, if it's going to happen in six years, but, when, you know, whenever I could do that so that we can generate enough to help support that activity and build that village. So, so um, you went like heavily into real estate. So um, what are the things that you're currently doing now? You're just focusing on estate business and um yeah what are the things you're currently doing yeah i mean i'm still you know very involved with our with child hope international mm. um uh but uh yeah i'm i uh well as i was doing this you know i was older and you know getting started late in life and real estate and i started attracting you know the attention of some of the guys, some other guys that i call fellow old dogs you know and uh, so so you know i started sharing with them what i was doing and then it got really busy you know kind of writing to each other and i just start, I started a blog and then the blog turned into a podcast when, when did you start the blog like in in 2010 oh, I or? that probably about 2016 right 2016 around okay mm -hmm. and that's and i started the podcast uh, also in 2016 2016 and yeah. uh, you know we've been going strong you know it's and it's fun you know it's something different for me you know um and uh you know it's very different from you know what i'm used to doing but it, it's uh it's fun i'm learning a lot i'm having a blast so it's uh keeping my mind active keeping me active you know so that I'm not just sitting there watching, you know, soap operas or something. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you got so such an amazing life story. It was like, <laughs> yeah, crazy. So, uh, so many things happened in your life. Yeah, I've been I've been blessed, man. Totally blessed for sure. Now I've got I got seven kids. Seven. Yeah, Four grandkids, yeah. Oh, we ended up adopting two Haitian babies too. Mm. <laughs> so I, I had, you know, we had two stepkids when I married my wife. We had three together, and then we adopted two beautiful Haitian babies. And uh, they're not babies anymore. Now they're sixteen and nineteen. You know, so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're we're we have a great great family. So, uh, Bill, what what fascinates you? Um, what fascinates you the most besides real estate nowadays? Or are there any things that we haven't talked about yet that fascinate you? I mean, you know, I mean that, that those are. I mean, I I think that right now, yeah. I mean, I, I'm very ministry minded. I'm I'm very much still plugged into, like I said, Haiti. We mm. also do a lot of things locally too, um, and uh, you know, trying to help people just. You know, here in the states as well, but uh, we what kind uh, yeah, of we just, what what kind of things are you doing in the states? Well, well, we like you know we like to serve. So we you know if if there are you know families in need, you know whether it's homeless or whether it's people mm. that are, um, you know that have uh, other other kind of needs. You know, the, uh, maybe they're 
you know, handicapped, or maybe they, you know, they, um, uh, you know, there's, there's, they have special needs. My, my wife is like right now, she's caring for, um, you know, people, uh, older people, you know, there's mm. just, just a lot of older people in, in, in the U S right now, that whole baby boomer, you know, group in this. Um, and so she's, she loves, you know, caring for people who can't really care for themselves. And mm. so, you know, the, the, that's, you know, we, we, we just love to do stuff like that. Mm. and are you still uh reflecting on those times you had in haiti and especially oh. those tough times that you've had yeah it's i mean a big piece of my heart is will always be in haiti and mm. you know I, I i tell people you know even though i i got there you know i came over there in my 50s right you know and uh I, I I look at those years as the the best years of my life. There was mm. nothing could compare to that time. I mean, it was the like the Charles Dickens novel. You know, it says you know it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You know, but all of it together was the most amazing time of my life. I mean, it was hard. I, no, you know, no ifs, ands, or but. We had malaria. We had dengue fever. We had attempted kidnappings. Uh, we attempted had, uh, kidnappings. Yeah, yeah. Even at one point, yeah, in Haiti, they, you know, when the the law wasn't able to cover, th there were kidnappings happening, hundreds, a, you know, a, just a, a month. And my wife and daughter were in in the car. Uh, they were just about to pull over for a what they thought was a police checkpoint, but they were kidnappers. And our driver, who was Haitian, knew that these guys were not, even though they were dressed like policemen, they were not policemen. Oh, so he started, man. He started, Those guys had dressed it like policemen. That's yes. insane. And they started, it started to back up. And, um, and he saw that this, this wasn't a real, a legitimate, you know, um, uh, checkpoint. And so he started to back up. And as soon as he started to back up and get out of the line where the other cars were, mm. um, They they just came over the 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 guys dressed like policemen and they started shooting at at our driver you know uh, the AKs and 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 so they're they're he's switch you know he's he's you know going back and forth on the road trying to not be hit and my wife and daughter were in the car at the time that that happened but they were they didn't get hit you know yeah and so we had incidents like that 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 happened as well that were just absolutely crazy. Um, Man, so it, this sounds like a dangerous place to me. Crazy. Yeah, it can and, and what does the po uh, local police do about all those things? Do they not much. They, You know, not they got much. 10 million you know people living there, and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even think they have a hundred thousand policemen. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's just not. No, it's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's why the UN, you know, has occupied Haiti for a long time because the police couldn't handle it. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk because um, I think most of the people that uh, most of your followers probably know you for real estate, right? So well, at, least, uh, at least now they do. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot that know us from our orphanage and and uh, you know before that business and so forth. But you know, um, 
yeah, that's uh, yeah. Right now, everybody knows me as the old dog. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's switch gears here, Bill, and let's talk about real estate because I think a lot of people are interested in investing in real estate, and also quite a few entrepreneurs are listening to this show, and um, they want to diversify and maybe also go into real estate. So, um, what would you tell them with all of your experience? Well, I think, you know, uh, for me, and again, I've been in business in many different levels. I've been in financial services, marketing, mm -hmm. been a lot of different places. And to me, I think overwhelmingly, you know, real estate is probably the best investment that you can get into. And I don't just say that because I'm in it, because, you know, for me, especially in light of recessions and, and people mm -hmm. keep talking, there's a recession coming, right? There's a recession coming. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just always been a, you know, these series of little, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, that's just happens, right? There's a, there's a, there's the economic times change and there's a correction and things, you know, start going back up again. It's just the cycles that happen, but real estate always does well. It always survives those, you know, mm. it, it can go down in value, but it always goes back up and then it goes beyond what it was before. So as far as an investment You know, I used to, like I said, I was very heavy in the stock market, but I remember, you know, companies that I would invest in that would just disappear. <laughs> And so would my investment, you know, uh, that can happen with stock, you know, it's just paper, yeah. right? <laughs> Not even paper anymore. It's all electronic, you know? And But with real estate, you know, you have a piece of land and a you hot have asset, yeah. a building on it, right? And that's always going to be worth something, you know. Mm. So it's tangible. That's the mm. key word there is tangible. Whereas stocks, you know, yeah, there's a company behind it and there's a lot of things. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like Bitcoin. Yeah. What, what really is behind it? You know, mm. uh, how, how you can't hold on to it. You can't necessarily. It doesn't necessarily have like gold or something that has a tangible value and it'll always have value. But real estate does. And, mm. and I think that that's kind of the thing that makes it um, makes it a, a good investment for, for me, especially older in life. You know, you've worked hard for the the funds that you have and your savings, you know, and, and because of that, you don't want to just take chances anymore. I did that a lot when I was younger. You know, I'd buy crazy stocks and stuff and, and you know, I'd invest in all kinds of sketchy things. But. Yeah, you know, now you know you you, you don't want to you don't want to lose what you've got, right? And yeah. so you, you 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 tend to be more conservative in your investing, and mm. so that that to me is you know it's it's a solid tangible thing to invest in. And you know, I think granted, that's the reason why um, a lot of people want to get into real estate because yeah. it's a tangible thing, and because it seems to be a lot safer for most people than, for instance, stocks or Bitcoin uh, or what have you. So. Right, right, and that and that's to me that's the that's what makes sense. Um, the the area I've moved into, like I mentioned, I started with houses, you know, mm. and now I'm in syndication. So uh, mm. right now, I, I the most recent um, uh, property I I, I co-sponsored um, was uh, it's a 539 unit apartment building in Dallas. Texas, you know, area. It's actually Irving, Texas. But, um, you know, the, it, it has the same, you know, even though it's a it's it's a syndication, right? So you have a lot of people coming together to invest in it. 
um, it's still real estate and it's still tangible. And so, it, you know, the, the returns are good. And so, mm. you know, people can still get a, you know, a 10% return on their investment, you know, um, uh, and, and if they're also involved in, let's say when that, when that building is sold, for example, then they're going to get a bonus and get a part of the profits when it's sold. So, so it's, uh, it is a good, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's a good place to be and it's, and it's tough to beat the returns you can get with real estates. Yeah. What are the biggest lessons you have learned on real estate? Because there are like so, so many contradicting opinions on real estate and what, what kind of properties people should invest in. And I think a lot of people who aren't expert in the field are very confused by all those people who have like different viewpoints on all those things. So. Right. I, I think that I think the there's a lot of lessons and it really depends, mm -hmm. you know, on what kind of real estate you're, you're getting involved in. But I would say an overriding lesson um, is due diligence. OK, mm. you got to do your due diligence no matter what it is, even if you're just buying a little single family home. You need to understand, you know, uh, that first it, it, it's in a market and you need to understand the dynamics of that market, right? Is that yeah. property going to go up in value or is it going to cr crash? You know, is it going to be a place that's going to turn into a war zone, you know? <laughs> so you, you need to understand the market you're in. You need to understand um, the uh, the aspects of the property itself. You know, is it something, is it an older property? Is it going to require uh, a lot of maintenance? And, and those kinds of hidden costs can can jump out at you and, and it can really cut into your profit, right? So so it, due diligence is critical. You know, understand your market, mm. understand the property, Understand who your partners are. If you're going in and you're investing in somebody, you need to really check out the people that are sponsored. A very, yeah. very important decision, right? Very important. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, trust is key. You know, you mm. want to get somebody you know that you trust. And and those, I mean, the, that's all part of the due diligence aspect of it is that, you know, you, you need to understand what you're doing. And, um, you know, don't just throw your money, you know, in because... Uh, you need to, and you also need to know if it is a property that's being managed, you need to understand the management. I mean, granted, your sponsors are going to be overseeing the management, but you also want to know that that's the sponsor has hired the best managers to, you know, to run that property and, uh, and to manage and oversee that. So, so mm. those are, the, that's probably the key thing is just due diligence. Really, due diligence. Yeah. Really understand that. Yeah. And how does uh, how how do we know that the information that we are getting is the right information? Like I said, there are so so many gurus on the internet and people who are experts, and um, I think a lot of people don't know whom to trust and yeah, what are what the right answers are. So yeah, I mean that's that's a um, that that is that's probably one of the biggest biggest areas is that mm. you need to be able to look at um you know, sort of you kind of think of yourself like a detective okay or, <laughs> or you know private eye kind of thing right you know <laughs> or cia or you know whatever you want to call it you know? <laughs> 
uh, is that you you really have to go in and kind of look behind the scenes. You know, mm. I mean, stuff like Google searches are great. You know, you look under this person's name and you and you look at everything you can on this person that's involved in it. Mm. Uh, but you you also look for like unsuspecting things. Like you know, once you get a little bit, you start to put a. It's like a puzzle. You put together the pieces. You start to look at where did that sponsor come from. You know, mm. what has he or she been doing for the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years um, and try to rebuild their life. OK, if, if all of a sudden you got somebody you're dealing with who has no history for the last 30 years, you know, yeah, yeah. wet flag, wet flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you you want to try to put together the pieces of the puzzle. So you have to go to mm -hmm. a lot. You got to go to government websites. You got to go to different things, and to do some real, you know, kind of black ops they call it. You know, kind of stuff for special ops where you're looking <laughs> in and you're looking for like digging underneath the surface, right? Uh, so you know, on this person, you know, because yeah. you're putting in there you may be putting in 50 100 million dollars or whatever it is right mm. and you want to make sure that that person is absolutely above board and then you got to talk to a lot of people so you can't do it all online yeah. got to actually talk to people that have invested mm. with that person before they should have a track record if they don't you're taking a chance mm. but if they got a track record then you can look at their track record talk to investors that have invested with them you know, so there's a lot of things like that you got to do too. You got to get on the phone or, or yeah. Skype, whatever it is, and and uh, and talk to people. Yeah, and I love this because um, I'm not in the real estate business, like I'm in the marketing space. But um, I always listen to a lot of people, but I'm actually taking the advice from like one uh, percent, even less probably. So uh, <laughs> right, yeah. right, it's true. You have to do that. You know, you really got to be picky about who you take advice from and who you trust, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's unfortunate, you know, but it, it's a, it's just smart. It's just smart business, you know? Yeah. And, um, one of the things that you feel very strongly about in real estate, but a lot of people are disagreeing with you on. And what are the things that a lot of quote unquote experts are agreeing on and that you think is very stupid. So, uh, please speak to that, but, Oh, that's a tough, tough question. Good question. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, I'll, okay, what I don't like, and you talk about the gurus, okay? Yeah. The gurus paint these wonderful pictures. Everything's wonderful, <laughs> you know? I mean, you see the guy, he's in his driveway, he's got his Ferrari, his, his, his Maserati, he's got his, his, <laughs> Mercedes Benz, and he's got you know he's got bikini-clad women sitting on all yeah, of them, right? The trophy you know? wife, yeah. And, and he is just you know just saying you know this is just the best <laughs> life, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Money is coming in, yeah. yeah I have to do know? no work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you know what I think what they need to do is show like a realistic picture, like mm -hmm. the guy who gets the call in the middle of the night, you know, from <laughs> one of his tenants, the toilet's plugged. So he's got to be in there with a plunger. <laughs> That's a more realistic picture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, granted, I think they're great opportunities, but I'm not going to be one of these guys to tell everybody, you know, oh, mm, it's easy money. Him. No, it's hard work. You got to mm. do your homework. You got to do your research. And, uh, 
you know, you always got to stay on top of it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't say you have to go and unplug your toilets, but you, know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but you do you do have to know everything that's going on and who is doing those toilets so your tenants are happy. If they're not happy, mm. then they're the ones that are paying your, you know, your income. So mm. you want to make sure your tenants are very happy. <laughs> so uh, what are the the personal mistakes that you've made in real estate and what were the biggest wins? Yeah, I, I would say that the mistakes that, that kind of stand out probably the most are, um, you know, those where I I didn't do my due diligence, you know, mm. uh, where On I hired, kind of things, yeah. like I hired a property manager who I didn't check out real well. And mm. so they were um, not doing their job and then uh, they would bring in bad tenants you know tenants mm. that were doing things illegal for example <laughs> in the building and they're jeopardizing the safety of the people that are living there you know and so what kind uh, of, of what did they do like for instance like, like drug dealers mm. uh, you know, yeah there'd be like uh, you know drug dealers that'd come in there'd be people that were um that were you know, selling things on the black market kind of stuff, you know, um, so police would arrive, you know, oh, <laughs> and, man. Yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And so you know, th those, yeah. And you're trusting that this, this property manager has screened the people and done all the things that they're supposed yeah. to do, you know? So, um, yeah, that's screen, that's, screen the people, right? Yeah. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, do, it's, it kind of goes back to due diligence. And mm. the things that, you know, I've, I've done right is I, I think the main thing is persistence. You know, mm. um, it's easy to get discouraged, especially when you have a situation like that where police are arriving or, you know, or fire trucks because, you know, somebody, you know, they're, they're you know, they're they're making drugs and the, the machine explodes or something, you know, or whatever, you know, there's, mm. I mean, there's things that happen and fires and, you know, and you get really discouraged. Did you add fires like over the years? I had one fire. Yeah. We had one place that was, um, there were some people that were, that were doing drugs and they found a way to sneak, even though it was a secure building, they found a, a way to get in to get, uh, it was like some trick with the door And mm. they would come in and they would go down and they would, you know, and they'd smoke crack in the basement of this building that I had. And uh, one of them apparently did that. Something caught on fire. And, you know, boom, next thing I know, I'm getting called from, you know, people at, in the building that I know, tenants. And they're saying, um, hey, you know, there's fire trucks and, and the place oh, is full of smoke. So, you know, I had to. Again, it was a it, it was a poor property management. They should have been able to see this kind of stuff. So, mm. you know, so I, I put in you know cameras and other things in the in the common areas so that you know, even from you know and I have my properties are all in different states. You know, so I, you know now I have access where I can actually just you know take my phone and I can I can look at a property and see what's going on. And there. And, and and sorry to interrupt again. Please continue, but um. Why are all your properties in different states? So it sounds to me like a lot of work. So, <laughs> like, why it aren't is. they like in, in all one in one area? So, and, and yeah, please continue. Know, I, I, I go to what I call emerging markets. You know, uh, an emerging market is an area where 
there is, um, you know, we talk about the bell curves, you know, we were talking about that, you know, happen with, with real estate. Well, if you can invest at the bottom of that bell curve, okay, mm-hmm. as prices are going up, rents are going up, everything is going up, okay, you buy early, okay, then you, you not only do you, are you able to increase your profits from increased rents and, and so forth, but you're also able, you'll have that much more equity in that property too. So mm. that property, you know, you bought for, you know, whatever it was, a million is worth 10 million at the top of that bubble. Mm. So, you know, you, you have this good, so, so you have to look for the, the markets that have those characteristics and usually it's job growth. And there's industry, there's things that are happening in that area, population growth, um, things that would create a demand for a rental property, for example. And so that you want to invest at the bottom of that curve or as close to the bottom. Maybe it's halfway up, but either way, there's still growth and mm-hmm. you invest at a point where there's growth. California, it's like at the top of the the, it's yeah, very expensive the, right now, right? The curve right now, yeah. It's really the you know. In fact, some areas prices are starting to go down. So uh, maybe in a few years, maybe um, it will, um, you know, it it will reach that part where it's sort of at the bottom and it starts to go up again. That's a good time to buy in California. But when I started investing, uh, you know, it was already up there. So it's. Uh, you know, it's it's it takes a while. Sometimes that 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 uh, market span, you know, can be like anywhere from seven to twelve years. You know, it just depends. So, you try to find the markets. At least I do. That are you know starting to experience you know strong growth, and then you invest in those early on. And what were the biggest wins you found? Um, you know, there, I probably. I would say there was one little property that I invested in um, that was, uh, uh, it was, I just got it for, I, I bought it at about, uh, probably about 20% below market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to go in there and do improvements to the property. And uh, the property um, over a period of not even five years, four years, um, it, uh, it basically quadrupled in value and uh and also the income that it generated it just phenomenally and it was it was in a really a, a relatively inexpensive investment but it um because you know we bought it at the right time we bought it under market okay so we got it at a discount and then we made the improvements to bring it up and it was also in that merging area so um you know it it you know, quadrupled in value. So it, it, yeah, that, uh, that to me was, I mean, is one property. That was one that really just was way out of the ballpark. I mean, if you can get a 50% increase, that's phenomenal, but this was quadruple. So, uh, it was pretty good. So, uh, um, this was an amazing episode. I really, (laughs) really, really enjoyed talking to you, listening to your story. And, um, yeah, at the end, I always ask every guest of mine five quick questions. But um, before I ask those, like, could you please give our listeners your best advice on real estate? Like, what would you tell them? Like, anything we haven't talked about, anything you really want to emphasize. So, yeah, give them, please, your, your best advice on real estate and investing in real estate. Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, I think the main thing is, one, one, one it's not for everybody. 
you know, mm. you, the, I mean, it's it is a great investment, but it's not for everybody. And I'm not going to pretend to say, hey, it's it's going to be great. Um, and there's many types of real estate to invest in. Like mm. I said, you can be very passive, and you can just you can invest in a syndication. You know, which you don't have to do anything. You know, you just invest. But you do have to do your due diligence. Still, you still got to check out who's behind it and who's you know who's behind that syndication, who's the sponsor, and that kind of thing. Um, you can invest in everything from trailer parks to storage uh, facilities to um, REITs, you know, um, uh, you know, on buying them on stock market. You know, I mean, you can there's a lot of different types of real estate you can invest in. So if you're interested, you've got to look at the niche that that really works for you. And if you're if you're somebody who's got a lot of energy and you want to just make, you know, make quick money or whatever, you know, you might want to go into wholesaling, for example, you know, where you find properties that are foreclosed on and so forth. And, but you've got to match your needs, you know, to mm. what you're looking for. I always say, you know, with anything, you know, but especially as an investor, look at your why, you know, what is your mm. why? Why are you even doing this? Why are you investing? You know, and some people, you know, may say, well, I just, you know, I just want get good returns. You know, that's that's not really a good why, you know, uh, a good why may be something like, uh, you know, I I've got kids that are growing up. I want my 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 girls, for example, to have the wedding of their dreams, you know, and I don't want to have to worry about the cost of the wedding or, you mm. know, I mean, you got to look at it. You know, I, I look at part of my why. It are those faces of those kids that I first saw when I came to Haiti that were, you know, sleeping on the streets, you know, and, uh, you know, huddled up with their, the rag that they had to wipe down cars that, you know, that hopefully would hand them, you know, a, a little coin that would help them. You know, that's what I see when I see my why. I see, you know, these kids that I want to continue to help in Haiti, you know. I see my own kids and I, and I see, you know, their futures and, and college and universities and, and, and their, you know, and I want to be able to do the things that will allow them to achieve their dreams, you know, just like the kids in Haiti. I want them to know their dreams too. So, so that, that's my why, that's what motivates me, but you've got to look at your why, you know, and when you understand that you'll understand what kind of investment is best for you. So, um, could you please tell everybody where can they find you on the social webs, connect with you and so on and so forth? Sure. Well, I am, you know, I'm all over, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on uh, Facebook and, yeah, uh, you know, I'm on Instagram, I mean, all over the place. But, um, the, the easiest way to find us is to just do a search under old dog spelled D A W G. So <laughs> they'll find our, it's, uh, our website is, it's called the old dogs, D A W G S. REI for real estate investing network.com. So old dogs, REI network.com is our website. And then that'll link to all the other social media there. They'll also get to be able to hear our podcasts and, and, uh, you know, read our blog articles and that kind of stuff too. So, uh, the first out of the five question is, so, um, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? Well, one of them you, you probably already know, and that's the Bible. Mm. <laughs> the Bible had the biggest influence on my life and, and who I am today. Um, beyond that, I would probably say um, there's a, one of my favorites is the it's called the Unofficial Guide to Real Estate Investing. 
and it was written by a friend of mine, um, and uh, a Martin, and and he, and it's just a it's just a basic guide that kind of tells you about real estate and 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 you know what what it's all about. It's a it's a really good one. The the other one I would say would be Rich Dad Poor Dad, and mm. and these are more recent. You know, it was probably a different book years ago, but because I'm in real estate, Rich Dad Poor Dad really taught me to think about money in a different way and um, and assets and that kind of thing. So it gave me a, a pretty good idea of, you know, just where your thinking has to be to succeed in, in not only real estate, but any kind of any kind of business. So uh, the second question is, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's a tough one. Um, well, my favorite movie of all times um, is uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Mm. Uh, it's This is an old classic movie. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, who I actually ended up working with when I was doing a lot of celebrity stuff when I was started off in, in public relations. Um, and he, he had a, we had an event. He did a fundraiser for this hospital in Santa Monica and we called it the, it was the Jimmy Stewart uh, relay marathon. And, uh, he, uh, uh, you know, I got to meet him before he passed away and, uh, just an amazing man, a uh, really great guy. But, uh, th that was my favorite movie of all time. So I was really thrilled to, to get a chance to meet him, but it, it's a wonderful life. I would say, um, Elf is a, I don't know if you've ever seen Elf, but it's no, a, no, no. It's, a, it's a really funny movie. Um, Elf, and, okay. uh, it, it's, uh, um, it's a new yeah, one or an old movie? Well, it's, it's a newer movie. Mm, yeah. Okay. It's a, mm. Yeah. It's a new, newer movie. Um, and then, uh, a Braveheart, you know, mm, was a, I love Braveheart. A beautiful oh, Braveheart movie. is like, yeah, great, that's like great such film. a good yeah so so those are those are probably my three favorites there so uh the third question is um what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory oh product or service wow gosh that's a uh, that's a that's a tough one um gosh i don't know there's like so many little tech things and, and, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm you know kind of doing them all the, all the time and i have a kind of a different one every week but um but uh there's there's this one on my phone it's uh let me see if i can if i can yeah. find it here it's called shark oh what's it called it's a it's a it's a uh, it's really cool you can look up like all this information on a property <laughs> it's kind of sounds really dumb but it's uh it's kind of good for me because i get like all this uh, it's a uh, property shark it's called and mm. it's an app that's on, on on a phone that's just really you know really great but uh um Yeah, I mean, I mean, besides like a smartphone, I just say a smartphone is like the. I mean that that. I remember when you know we didn't have you know we had we had to find a phone booth to make a call. You know, <laughs> the old times, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the fourth question is, um, what are the most important realizations you've had? in the last couple of years. And we had some guests who shared something deeply personal about their family life, relationships, time, travel. So speak to anything you feel comfortable sharing today. Most important realizations in the last couple of years. 
Wow, that's that's a uh, that's a heavy question. That's a big one. But you know, what, one thing that's good about getting old <laughs> is when you get older, like I am, you know, at sixty four here, is is you get more reflective, and you kind of look back, and you know, it's um it's kind of like that story, and I used to hear it when I was younger, you know, mm-hmm. and it was kind of the thing that. You know, you're not going to sit in your hospital bed, you know, and you're dying, you know, you're you're dying and it's your last couple of days and you're not going to sit in your hospital bed and say, man, I wish I would have gone to this business meeting or, <laughs> you know, or I not. wish I would have invested in this or I wish I would, you know, like all the things that are like important to us now yeah. get so unimportant when you get older, you know. And I think the stuff that really is, you know, that at least now as I'm older, as I realize, is like, I probably reflect more on, you know, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. Mm. I wish I would have spent more time um, with the people that I love. I wish I would have spent more time pouring into other people, you know, because I, I, when I look back, you know, all the business stuff, it really just, just, doesn't mean anything you know what i look at it's family and friends and Mm. and you know that don't sacrifice those things when i was young i was just first got married so you know i was you know i was traveling i was on i was gone all the time i was making money you know (laughs) and you know and 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 i knew that because like my dad was that way my dad was you know he was he worked really hard but you know, he's a guy that grew up through the depression, you know, I mean, he was, he literally, and he lived in Northern California in the mountains with his family. It was, they were Italian immigrants, you know, and they came in and they, um, you know, they were, my, my grandfather worked in the gold mines. Okay. When gold was first discovered right. in California and my dad, you know, it, it, when the depression hit, he was the youngest of like nine kids and, and he had to go out and go hunting, for deers, you know, shoot the deer, carry it back because so his family could eat. I mean, that's that's where he was at. So when yeah. he had his own family, he was all, you know, thinking, I'm a provider. You know, I'm the provider. Mm-hmm. I got to, you know, take care of my family. So he worked really hard and he was gone a lot. But we had a great relationship, but he was just gone a lot. And then I ended up being like my dad. And it was the same thing. I was working hard. I wanted to provide for my family. I wanted to send my kids to the best schools. I wanted to do all this stuff. But then... You know, my kids, you know, years later, they say, Dad, you know, I just wanted to spend time with you, you know. Mm. And so, you know, that's that to me is probably the most important thing. And I I speak to, you know, young guys like you and others, you know, that, you know, we think so many things are so important, you know, but the things (laughs) that are really important are going to be the things that years later you're going to look back on. You go, wow, you know, that was the important stuff, not this, you know. So, uh, Last question for the day. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> probably tell them, read the Bible, man. <laughs> I would have avoided a lot of dead brain cells there, I'll tell you. you know. But, uh, you know, I think really it's slow down and mm. you know, enjoy you know, your life. Don't, yeah, don't be so goal driven, 
you know, mm-hmm. that you miss out on the stuff that's like right next to you. And that includes people, you know. Sometimes we get going so fast today and with with technology especially man you know we're not we're we're like glued to our screens you know mm. it's like a whole different deal you know i mean i get so sad when i see a group of people sitting together and they're all sitting there yeah. at the table they're having dinner together and all looking at their screens you know yeah. it's like what why even go out you know put the screens down look in the eyes of the person across from you and get to know them and just to, you know that's that's, that's what I would tell my 20 year old self so uh, Bill thank you so so much for being on the show um, I think your story was one of the most fascinating to hear I really 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 enjoyed listening to you today and um, yeah thank you so much for, for this episode oh Hardy it's been a pleasure hanging out with you man even though you're like way over there it's great. It's just technology, but it's great. It's nice to meet you, and and you sound like you got a great future too. You got a great great head on you, so you're you're gonna <laughs> do well. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much, and um, yeah, we'll talk soon. Bye bye. All right, take care. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out.